The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Well, good morning, Downtown Church. It's good to be with you, even though uh, I'm with you um, virtually. Um, I was exposed to COVID. Rachel and I both were about a week and a half ago, and I'm still quarantining uh, but grateful that I get to come to you um, virtually by video and um, and kick off this season of Advent as we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So let's do that now. John chapter 1. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Our great God, we thank you this morning that you are present with your people. You have come after us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. God, I pray for your strength this morning as I preach your word. Um, God, speak through me by the power of your spirit. There's no deficiency in your word. There's every deficiency in me. But use the gifts that you created and use um, me as your conduit to bring the truth of your word and the hope of your word and the life of the living word to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' holy and mighty name. Amen. Well, this has been a, a tough eight months, and I know it has been for all of us. Uh, but I know that as well that all of us have learned to cope with it in some form or fashion. And for me, uh, a couple of things that I've leaned on is uh, preaching and teaching as well as physical activity. Um, and yet a week and a half ago, um, I was actually on my way out the door to go play a tennis match with my tennis team. And I received a text that um, both Rachel and I had been exposed to someone with COVID um, that prior Wednesday night. Um, and so I went into action and uh, texted my tennis team and told them they would have to find somebody else or forfeit the court. Um, and then I had to call Michael. I was to preach the next morning and he and I discerned that it was best if he preached um, and, and not do the video for that week. Um, and, and then I thought about Rachel who had literally just made it to her mother's hospital room. Her mother had been hospitalized the night before and Rachel was relieving her sister, um, in, in the room and thank God, um, that, uh, that her mother was not in the room when Rachel got there. She was uh, away for an MRI. And so Rachel immediately left the room and her sister came back. But when she got home and both of us were distraught, um, I felt as if the final two things that, um, that, I, that I have been using to really look forward to something and you know, had been ripped away and um, she could not be with her mother, which was a much bigger deal um, in, in her time of need and so forth. And then we began to realize that we had to cancel Thanksgiving, our, our our family come to our house for Thanksgiving and we had figured out how to do that, social distancing and so forth, but that was out the window. Um, and, and we both just kind of sunk into a low depression, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, uh, and, and it was tough. It was a tough time. And I know that many of you had had much tougher seasons and 
much tougher moments. Um, but that was real. Um, and, and in the midst of this, and I know it's real for all of us, we ask the question, how do we make sense of it? Why is it such a, a punch in the gut um, to not be able to be with each other, to not be with our family, to, to not have in-person worship, to, um, to not gather. And, and I, don't, I don't think there's any better place to go than right here to John chapter one in these three verses. Um, because I believe the answer to everything we're experiencing right now and the hope for what we're experiencing right now can be seen in these stories, namely in the backstory of Jesus. He is the only baby that has a backstory. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. So this is before Jesus was born. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And what we see from this is we see also that He, as the living Word, um, is the agent of creation, if you will. What we see is that we were created in the image of, of a God who at his core is relational. Therefore, at our core, we are relational. Relationships are not just um, add-ons, side dishes, uh, something nice to experience. They are essential. And so is this world and our interaction with the world around us. In fact, we cannot know God, we cannot know Jesus without one another and without this world. And, and two, we need a Jesus who's not just an advisor, but he is God himself. And that's what John presents to us this morning. And we need the hope of this passage. We need the light of this passage and the life of this passage in our lives right now. So let's get to work. Let's dig in and let's look at it. And the first thing that we need to see is that Jesus is God. Therefore, he can shoulder whatever darkness, whatever burdens, we face presently or in the future. A pandemic, a worldwide pandemic has, has impacted us all. Businesses shut down, cities shut down, schools shut down, churches in a, in a sense shut down, gone to virtual for the most part. And in the midst of all of that, a, a civil rights movement or moment where we watched in horror as George Floyd was, was choked to death with the knee of one sworn to protect, uh, was, was literally choking where he couldn't breathe um, for over eight minutes. Um, and then Breonna Taylor and, and, and on and on we go and, and the unrest and the tension of, of uh, a highly contentious um, presidential debate. We have had a rough eight months, and it's been a unique moment for us, but it's not been a unique moment in history. You see, John speaks the words that he speaks into a world that is filled with equal uncertainty, equal trial and tribulation. Domitian was the, the Caesar reigning in, in Rome. He was over the Roman Empire, and the last several years of his reign from like 93 to 96, um, was referred to as the reign of terror. You see, he demanded that anyone that address him, address him as both master and God. And so, especially for the Christian, that was a problem. 
That was a challenge. And, and these are the words that, or this is the context within which John speaks and writes these words. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Later he'll say, and, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you see what John is doing? He is arguing for um, the, the, the divinity and the humanity of Jesus so that men and women, boys and girls, understand the reality of who Jesus is, that they might believe in him, even though it might cost them their lives and their livelihood and, 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 and breed a life of uncertainty um, in their world. You, you see, God's people then, just like us now, we now don't need an advisor. We don't need a Jesus who was just with God. We need a Jesus who was with God and who is God. We need a Jesus who can handle the burdens of our lives and the weight of our lives. And that's the Jesus that is presented. That's the Jesus that entered this world in the flesh. He is the one and, and we see his glory. But what is his glory? It is God becoming flesh. Paul captures it in uh, Philippians, he said, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the nature of a, a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This God, this living word, this one who is God himself verbalized speaks clearly from the start. He comes out of the womb speaking the glory of God, but it's not the glory of, of flashing lights and, 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 and um, glaring ego, but it's the glory of humility. It's the glory of one who reigns on high, who possesses all power in heaven on earth, but is willing to humble himself, even allowing himself to be placed as a baby in an animal's food bucket. Even coming um, not in power, but in weakness. Coming not in beauty, but in, in plainness and blandness. Isaiah would say, like a root out of dry ground. That was the description Isaiah had of the baby Jesus and Jesus himself. Let me just give you a piece of advice. Don't ever look at your friend's baby, newborn baby, and say, oh, he, he, she, that looks like a root out of dry ground. That is not going to go over very well. But that's what Isaiah says about Jesus, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He ate and drank with sinners. He went to their parties. He went to a wedding feast and he turned 230 something gallons of water into the best wine that the pagans, the unbelievers of the day had ever tasted. And because of that, he was quarantined from the religious community. He was put out. He was rejected. He was despised. And even when he was accused 
of, of a capital offense of heresy, even when he was accused of not bowing the knee to Caesar, even when he was accused of all these false charges, he, like a lamb, is, is silent going to the slaughter, being led to the slaughter. So Jesus was silent going to the cross. Why? Because for the joy set before him, which was me, which was you, was in his heart and on his soul. And it was that joy, the joy of saving you, the joy of saving me, that led him quietly to the cross, that he might become the essence of all of the filth of my sin, all of the filth of your sin, and be punished and judged eternally in hell itself, experiencing the very wrath and displeasure of his father, that today I might experience the love and the delight and the joy of that same father. This Jesus humbled himself under the law, obeying it at every point from the essence of his heart to his mind, to his body. He obeyed the law in my place so that now not only are my sins are forgiven, but I am counted as righteous as the very righteous work of Jesus has been credited to me. Everything he did, I get credit for. Everything I did, he gets credit for. This is the Jesus who became man, God himself, to redeem us back to God, to purchase us back to God, that I might live in the delight of my Abba Father, living before the face of God with his pleasure, with his delight, his forgiveness, his love, his grace, and his mercy. Christianity is not embraced because of an airtight argument. Christianity is embraced and believed because of an airtight person, and his name is Jesus. There is no one like him. And this is the one that we see God becoming man to redeem us from our sin, that we might run to him every minute of every day and literally offload the burdens of this life onto him because he cares. He came after us and he cares. Jesus is God, therefore he can shoulder your burdens. But secondly, Jesus is your creator. Therefore, you need others to gift you his love and grace. He's your creator. John wrote, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. He is not only God, but he is your creator. And, 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 and therefore, since he is our creator, and Genesis 1 tells us that we are patterned in his image, we are created in his image, um, and, and therefore we need to understand um, who God is so that we can understand ourselves. This is how we understand ourselves, by understanding God, and that's what John is giving us here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This word with, this Greek word uh, that we translate with is an intimate word. It's not just 
you know, location. He was with God locally. No, he was with God. He was with God in agreement. He was with God in an intimate way. And you say, Richard, you're overreaching there. No, look at verse 18. We read these words. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. No one has ever seen God, but oh, you've seen God if you've seen Jesus. And, and, and why is that? Because when um, John says, who is at the Father's side, other translators, that's an ESV, but other translations translated this, uh, like this, he who was in the, the, the bosom of the Father, in the bosom of the Father. Think about that image. Who has right to your, your breast, your bosom? Who lays their head on your bosom, on your chest? I hope only uh, one or two people, maybe your, your spouse and uh, children, young children. Um, it, it is, a, it is a, a, an intimate thing, and that's precisely what we're getting here. We're being let into the bedroom of God. And what we see is that God exists in utter intimacy, the intimacy of Father, Son, and Spirit, Three persons, yet one God. The, the, the Son in the bosom of the Father. And he came from the bosom of the Father. He created us um, from the bosom of the Father. And this explains so much. It explains this, namely, that we have, at the very essence of who we are, a dire need as necessity for relationship and community and love. We have it as a need. It is in our DNA. And, and this also gets at the very um, uh, mission of God, the primary mission of God. The reason Jesus came, the reason Jesus took on flesh was not merely your personal salvation, but the restoration of intimate community between himself and his people and between his people and his people. Jesus came to create unity and communion with God and others to restore what was lost in the garden. We see it in, in, in Jesus's prayer in John 17. Listen to these words. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Unity, Jesus came to create a radical community of love. This was the thrust, restoration of the garden, restoration of the intimacy of oneness. Friends, this is why this explains why we are so um, why we are so burdened in this present moment with isolation and quarantine and separation. Kurt Thomas, a psychiatrist and a Christian as well, um, said said this about the basic need of of every human being. 
He said, we need someone coming to find us. We need someone at the basic core of who we are. We need someone coming to find us. I've heard someone else put it like this. We come out of the womb. We are born looking for someone, looking for us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God himself coming after us, his people. God himself motivated by love because he is love, wanting us to be restored to the unity of the love of God and the love of man. Jesus came loving that we might go out loving. Let me say that again. Jesus came loving that we to empower us to go out loving. This came home to me recently. Um, I was folding a load of laundry um, on the bed. It was in the morning. Uh, Rachel was uh, in the bedroom as well. And we were drinking coffee and watching the morning news. And she just kind of looked over. I was folding some um, running shorts of mine. And, and she said, she said, oh, I love those shorts on you. Just kind of a passing remark. And I picked up on it. And I said, oh, really? Um, why do you love these shorts on me? Oh, you really look good in those shorts. Oh, oh, how good do I look in those shorts? Um, and she said, oh, honey, you look better than any man could look in those shorts. And we laughed. But friends, something was alive in me. It, it sounds so small. It sounds so insignificant. It sounds like, oh, Richard, you're this needy, needy person. Well, you got that right. I am a needy, needy person for words of affirmation, for love from someone I respect and hold in high esteem. I am. Why? Because I am made in the image of a God who, who pours out love from the Father to the Son to the Spirit to the Father to the Spirit to the Son to the Father. There is this circle, this dance of love, this dance of affirmation. You say, oh, Richard, God doesn't need affirmation. Oh, what did God the Father declare from glory at the baptism of Jesus? This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Oh, friends, to the degree that the words of, of violence and the words of, of criticism and the words that tear us down, cut and hurt and wound and traumatize us. Oh, the words and the acts of love make us human again, make us uh, more drive us to the image of what God has made us to be. And oh, friends, we need it. We need it desperately. This is no small thing. It's a huge thing. Do you understand why God has redeemed you if you're a Christian? It's that you might receive his love, that you might pour it out to someone. Who might you pour your love out to today? In this moment, why do you need to get healthy? Why do you need to go to counseling? Why do you need to, to, to start your day and end your day and maybe throughout the day be in his word, filling your heart? Why do you need to worship throughout the day? Why do you need to get healthy as a believer? Why do you need to draw down on the love of God? It's that you might be whole, that you might make somebody else whole. That is, that, that is your mission today, friend. It is my mission 
to make my wife, to make my children, to make my son-in-laws, to make my grandchildren, to make my neighbors, to make those that I work with, to make you feel loved by me. And I need to be well so I can fulfill that mission for you. And you do it for me. And oh, the loneliness is gone. And oh, the despair is gone. And oh, you see, Jesus has come to heal our loneliness as, as, as not only we are restored to his love, but as we receive his love from one another. That's how he designed it to work. And then thirdly and finally, Jesus is the creator of this world. Therefore, we need the world to give us innumerable experiences of him. We need this world to give us innumerable experiences of him. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Let that sink in for a minute. All things were made through him and without him was nothing made that has been made. Everything has the fingerprint of not just God, but Jesus on it. Therefore, not only can't you not know Jesus and experience his love fully without other people, but you can experience the glory and the beauty and the majesty and the love of God without his creation. The Gnostics who were present in Jesus' and Jesus's day and the disciples' day denied uh, or said that, that um, the physical, the material was um, um, evil. And therefore they denied that Jesus could be God because God could not possibly t you know, take on flesh. And Eastern religions are very similar to that. They don't, if they don't completely declare um, the material evil, they declare it unnecessary or lower than the spiritual. But what we see in the scriptures and what we see in the incarnation, what we see in the reality that God himself was willing to take on flesh, to become material, to become physical, to, to uh, sweat and to cry and to do all the things that we as humans do, that he did not despise that and reject it, but he embraced it. What we see is that there is... Um, infinite or, or um, weighty purpose for the physical. In fact, we cannot know God without it. Psalm 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Paul tells us to eat and drink to the glory. Whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. And what we see in the midst of this, and we see Jesus doing that throughout his life, and, and what it teaches us, what the living word speaks to us with his interaction with creation is that we cannot know God without it. And yet with it, with the right and proper understanding, we can know him and worship him and live a life of worship throughout our days. Jesus came physically eating and drinking. He felt pain and hunger. And Jesus not only came that way, but Jesus 
after he died, was resurrected in a physical fashion, and he ascended in a physical fashion, and he's coming back to in a physical fashion, not to end this world, but to recreate this world. Glory will be a physical reality. It will be a reality in which we have our physical bodies and there is physical creation. It will be better. And I can't describe what that'll be. We see it in Jesus's resurrected body, but it will be physical and it will be glorious because what we will be able to do is, is fully comprehensively as we are drinking new wine with Jesus, as he promised in his institution of the Lord's Supper in the coming kingdom, we will, we will drink new wine together. When we do that, we won't do it to worship the wine. We will do it to better worship Jesus. And that is the intention of the physical now. You see, I can cook you a steak this afternoon. Let me get your uh, taste buds rolling. I can cook you a filet this afternoon at the perfect internal temperature on my green egg using hickory smoke or apple smoke or maybe a combination of each. I can cook it just perfectly for you and comes off sizzling, gets on your plate drizzling maybe with some butter over it and you can taste it and you can say, oh, Richard, thank you. This is so good. You're such a good friend or pastor or whatever. But if that, and you know what? It can draw us together. But in reality, if that's all we've done, we've missed it. Because all I've done is use the resources that God gave me. And, and all you've done is use the senses that God gave you. He gave us eyes and ears and, and nose, taste, touch. He gave us, he created us. He created the texture of the meat. He created the cow. He created, he created it all. It all speaks of his glory. It all speaks of his goodness. It all speaks of his kindness. And you magnify that in your experience with anything and everything physical, whether it's the softness of this jacket or the sheets that I, I lie in at night or these glasses that correct my vision or um, the touch of, of um, uh, you know, a, a loved one, a good meal, the vision of, of mountains or rivers or freshly cut grass or flowers in your yard or just the warmth of the sun on your face after a cold um, season. All of these things are the direct experience of the goodness and person of Jesus. And if you can, can, can go there, if you can worship him, not just as your savior, but your creator, and that's a good question to ask. Have you, maybe you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but have you received him as your creator? Have you made that connection to all the physical things of life? Are you looking forward to the day of the new heaven and the new earth when your addictions are gone, your misuse of creation, and everything will be used to heighten your love and your worship and, 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 and you're bowing down to King Jesus himself. Friends, that is the Savior. That is the purpose. That is the significance of the Word made flesh. That's the significance of the Word who was with God, who was God, and who was with God in the beginning. The one through whom all things were created and without whom nothing was made that has been made. Do you know that Jesus? Can that Jesus 
bury, uh, carry the, the burdens of this present moment. You better believe it. Would you believe him today? Would you commit your heart to him today? Would you worship him today? Would you tell your children about him today? Would you tell your neighbor about him today? Will you even share this message with someone later in the week? Will you point, will, will you be used of God that your life might point to this God, the living word, the glorious King of heaven and earth who came in the flesh. Oh, dear friends, may we give ourselves to this one. He deserves us. He deserves your heart. He deserves your soul. And certainly he will not let you down. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for this world that you've created, these bodies that you've created, this soul that you've not only created, but redeemed that I might uh, receive your love to pour it out to those around me. Oh God, may I do just that. Oh God, may I love those who have hurt me. May I love those that I'm tempted to despise. Oh God, make me a lover of men. Make me a, 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 a mirror of your glory. And may I taste and know in all of life um, your goodness and your beauty and your grace. Oh God, that's our prayer today. Do it for us in Jesus' name, amen. Well, dear friends, may we respond to this message of the gospel um, um, as, as we bring our tithes and offerings to him. Uh, as he commands and, and, and invites us to in his word. You may do that by texting um, the downtown church, all over the case, to 73256. Um, right now, or going to our website, downtownchurch.com. If you need help, reach out to Amber at amber at downtownchurch.com, and she'll be glad to help you. Um, have a blessed um, rest of your day.